Hey there, this is Corbin Johnson. I have felt inspired by, I think it's Mark Rosewater's Drive to Work app. I thought I'd talk about whatever I feel like talking about, especially when it comes to the Star Trek customizable card game. I thought this might be an interesting venue to go behind the scenes of my other podcast shows. It might also be a place to review deck types and, in general, discuss current news in Star Trek CCG. It's such a vibrant community, and I don't know if another podcast <laughs> would uh, contribute in great detail or in any, in any great way to the community, but I thought I'd give it a shot, and we'll see where it goes. So, for my first episode, I thought I'd go behind the scenes of the Star Trek CCG game show and Shakedown, both of which have been quite interesting productions. I started the Star Trek CCG game show uh, probably seven, eight months ago. I've done 18 episodes of it, and I've also done one episode of Shakedown. And I'm excited about the show because it gives me a chance to host a game show. That's number one. I love game shows. And uh, number two, I get to pour through all of the Star Trek CCG stuff in looking for some really awesome trivia questions for the CCG game show. I have a... It's fun to write the shows. It takes a while, though. Each show probably takes about an hour to write. And I find that to be a little annoying. If I could magically have someone write episodes for me, or if I could somehow... I don't know. I, I, I've considered writing a program that can generate questions, at least for Shakedown, and I think that's possible, since for Shakedown we're looking at smaller, shorter questions, uh, since the game's more rapid and quick. I could do the same for 1E, but I think it would cheapen the trivia to some degree. In, in the 1E game show, we've got lists. Lists are easy, but we also have questions like, of these three, which is not the non-aligned Borg, or stuff like that. Or name six doctors, or name two nurses, or name three cooks. Stuff like that, it's a little hard to ask the computer for. I mean, it shows a list of keywords, but whatever. So anyway, I write the show. It takes about an hour to write a show. I use pages, uh, is what my scripts are all right, written in. I'm a Mac guy. I love Apple. I, uh, I'll get into how I have actually taped the show. and It's not, it's not super easy. It's, it's pretty cool, though. So, uh... I'll be, you know, just putzing around at home, whatever. I'll write out the questions to the show. I'll just be, like, thinking, uh, let's take an issue question, like, of three personnel, which one does not have cunning of blah? That's, for example, I'll write the question down, I'll, and I'll write out a whole show. Then I'll go back, I'll go to the CCG website and actually search for, well, let's find three interesting guys. Find a group of three. Find, uh maybe three of the Lost Borg, or I'll do Marika, Lancer, and Pachan, you know, something like that. I haven't done that yet. But. Or name all four Sona, or, or Baku, rather. Stuff like that. So uh, by doing that, it's it encourages... Well, the reason I write the trivia the way I do is I want it to be interesting and engaging for the listener because... I, any game show without a play-along playability at home factor is, is worthless. P- 
people watch Jeopardy because it's really fun to shout answers at the screen, or questions in this case. Uh, people watch Wheel of Fortune so they can guess the puzzle. People watch Family Feud because those surveys are just delicious to try to try to guess what the fourth or fifth answer is, or yell at the stupid families for not knowing what the actual answers are. Playability at home with a with a game show is is important. It, it kind of comes for free with trivia, but you don't want to do really dumb trivia if you can help it, unless the format needs it. That's why. And, and I've broken the show up in, into four different categories. or It's really three categories. You've got normal trivia, normal... Uh, the first round is all about little normal trivia, nothing that's that terribly difficult to figure out. And then the second round used to be raise the stakes, where each player would be given four questions. They'd have to choose three and choose whether or not to include a clue with it. I thought that was a kind of a fun idea, but the problem with that is it takes a lot of pre-production time at, at the time of actually making the show where the contestants go and figure out, well, okay, this, it doesn't take that long for them to figure out, but it does take time. Uh, and, and writing questions like that, I would try to include two four multiple-choice questions and then two, uh, two, two of those and then an easy question and a hard question and allow the contestant to figure out, well, based on either how much they know their contest, their opposing player, or just based on the general difficulty of the trivia, which one they should eliminate. And by having them include or not include a clue, I thought that was a kind of a fun strategy point. But there's not a lot of playability for the player at home. I, I, it's probably interesting to listen to, but it's just another trivia question. And then round three... <clears throat> Warp Speed is a list. Um, there was a show called The Rich List or The Money List that came out on Fox, and then GSN later picked it up. And it was based on a UK show. I, I think it's a UK show. And uh, somewhere it's called Who Dares Win. Who Dares Win somewhere in the world. I don't know. But lists are cool, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of combine the list aspect of that show kind of with the bidding that goes on in Name That Tune, except opposite. The bidding... Uh, yeah, I've, I'm, I'm sorry, I've actually... <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm talking about two different things at once. Warp Speed, there was two lists, or you, you, one list, and I thought lists were fun uh, to kind of play along with. You're listening at whatever the contestants gave, and you're like, and then you're listening at home, you go, oh, yeah, they, they forgot Borg Queens, Queens Borg Sphere from Shades of Grey, or not that there was one in Shades of Grey, but uh, it's fun to kind of figure out what they didn't know, and then to get the spoiled list at the end and go, oh, yeah, that one, oh, the, I missed all the Borg counterparts, that sort of thing. And I think that's a lot of fun. And then in the zone is ten more, usually more difficult questions, and since... I, what I like about it, Matt Kirk derides me for it, he thinks it's terrible, is that every question, you're, you're basically in jeopardy. Uh, not that you're going to lose points, but that you're going to give points to the opponent. And that's fun. I think the risk associated with that really gives players uh, an opportunity to really... You, you can buzz in at any time, but, man, if you're not sure about your trivia, it is very risky to, to buzz in usually on the in the zone questions so that risk reward 
mentality, that strategy. I think it is just fun. I'm not sure if there's a really good metaphor for it in Star Trek CCG, uh, but at least you've got some little harder trivia to play along with for the contestant, for for the listener at home and the contestants. It, it also offers. Uh, it seems like any game show always has this opportunity to come from behind. Jeopardy has the, f- the final Jeopardy, and Wheel of Fortune does the speed up round. But <laughs> I mean. Uh, and then Family Feud does the uh, triple points round, uh, or even the showdown if that's necessary. So I, I had to come up with a format that would allow a player to come from behind, and I, I don't think it's happened. I think it's happened once, and I kind of wish the show would allow for more underdogs to kind of come back. But in the end, the emphasis of having ten in the zone questions, each worth ten points, is that the points at the beginning, they matter, right? They give you a solid foundation for whether or not you're going to actually finish the game with uh, with 100 points, or more easily than the player who doesn't have those points. But at the same time, you still have the chance to win. Even if you have zero points going into the last round, you could come from behind, maybe. So, ah. Uh, there's been discussion of the player in last place should get more points than the player in first place. There's been some talk of not having, not giving those points to your opponent if you're behind. But I think in the end, the risk keeps the game fresh and fair. And in the end, all game shows, by law, have to be fair. Mine, <laughs> it's a podcast. I, I don't have a lawyer. I don't have... Uh, I, the feds aren't going to care. I mean, I'm giving away prizes worth less than $10 in total. I don't think anyone's ever won anything more than $10. Uh, maybe the uh, winner of the Section 31 special with the Jedzia foil. I still have to send that out. I feel terrible about that. It's been months. I apologize for whoever won it. I need to find out who won it and send it to you. I apologize if you're listening to this. I'll get those to you as soon as I can. Anyway... So the risk reward, hundred points, whatever. It's all it's all in fun. Then the gift of the tormentor is a little harder, and I don't know, maybe twenty five percent of the time it gets answered correctly, maybe less. And that's that's just fun to have a, a difficult bonus question, make the contestant sweat, thirty seconds, sixty seconds to think about the question, think out loud, try to engage the listener at home, maybe help the clues that they're thinking of, think, help the listener at home come up with the answer, and I don't know with the suspense sometimes. You know, you watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you get some difficult question, the person in the chair has no idea what the answer is, and you're like, it's 42, it's it's 7, it's 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 Mona Lisa, you know, you know, I, it's it's fun to kind of have that, if you're you the know-it-all at home listening to the show, you go, oh, yeah, I know that, and, you know, so I think that there's a lot of listenability to having a bonus round question like that. Plus, V-foils are getting a little harder to acquire at this point. Just so everyone knows, the voice, the V foils I give away on my show, I've all, I've won from tournaments. I, I don't give away, I don't just buy a tournament kit and give those away. I don't think that would be fair. Uh, I need to give everyone a shot at these foils. My local one E scene, they love that I, uh, I mean, uh, I give out a lot of foils so that you know, in turn, I can acquire foils. But uh, yeah, all the foils are of mine. I don't actually, yeah. So. And then there's the Fizbin round. Fizbin was designed so that every player gets a chance to win something. Everyone wins a pack for showing up, but maybe with Fizbin, it breaks up the trivia, keeps it a little 
new and engaged, kind of like The Price is Right, there's a new game every show, or maybe a favorite game comes back. I don't have, uh, I don't have the Plinko of Star Trek CCG yet. I, I wish I did. I haven't found that magical game yet. I do like my Ultra Rares are hard to win. I think I've done it three times now. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I don't really get a lot of feedback from listeners, so you can call that phone number, 267-CALLS-TPJ, or you can call, or you can PM me, or email me, or whatever. I'd love to know what your favorite Fizzbin round is, so maybe it gets more play, or maybe I can improve on it. Or maybe uh, find out what your least favorite Fizzbin round is. I know a lot of people don't like the memory game I did in the first episode. Uh, people tend to like Fizzbin rounds that involve a little skill as well. So I think I may work on Fizzman rounds that involve a little bit more skill instead of random dumb luck. And that's fun. Uh, the initial idea was just a random game that everyone could play and could win some rares with. Uh, good rares, bad rares, whatever. I think uh, my favorite one is the 60-second rule of acquisition where uh, we did on the show, the championship show with Matt and blanking on Greg, with Greg. And they had to pick which three rares of six rares they were hoping their opponent wouldn't pick. So in the last round, it was a, a Defiant, uh, Riker, Will, Foil, and uh, Delta Fly or something. Uh, it wasn't a Defiant, but uh, they picked all three of the really good cards. And that was kind of the hope for me. I was going, well, if I put three really good cards and three crappy cards, well, I guess they're going to have to go for the three. But I was hoping maybe one player would... would uh, it's a prisoner's dilemma. You have to figure out what's your opponent's going to pick. And any prisoner dilemma game show is usually fun, except for whatever that Howie Mandel game that came out a few months ago. Uh, that was terrible. But Friend or Foe was a great show, uh, and I will defend that show. It wasn't it wasn't superb, but the idea of you've just won $4,000 with your partner. Are you going to split it? Are you going to take it all? Or are you, is no one going to take it home? That was really fun to watch, and uh, I thought it was a fun example of the prisoner's dilemma. Anyway... So the Prisoner's Dilemma is fun. Anyway, I, I like to, when I come up with a Fizzman round, I like to not necessarily rip off a game show, but at least look to other game shows for inspiration. And, yeah, it definitely shows. Uh, especially The Price is Right. They have a lot of fun games. Higher, you know, think about One Away when it comes to... Uh, so anyway, there's, it's fun to think of other game shows or at least consider fun little games. I find Fizzman's a nice... Uh, tropping ground for new game ideas to at least give a shot and try something out. I also liked, uh, I did it with Jason and John on the ninth episode, I think it was, where they, it was called uh, Warp Speed Fizzbin, and they had to give me skills and attributes and classifications and icons on a personnel, and the player who couldn't give me the next one was, uh, they'd lose and the other player would win the card. I thought that was a lot of fun. So, I think I'm going to start to focus on games where there's maybe interaction with the player and games where there's some skill involved. And I think those those will be a better focus for Fizzbin than just Dabo and the memory game and stuff like that. So, so I love faking the Star Trek CCG game show. Uh, I just do it for fun. I don't think the show will ever have another sponsor. I mean, if someone wants to sponsor the show, fine. Uh... It's, you know, I, I have, I think the show has maybe 25 or 30 unique listeners. I can't be certain. I recently put together a web server 
to host my show. Uh, Alan Gould was uh, generous enough to actually uh, allow me to host my podcast on his show or on his server for a while, and that was really nice of him. And I think there's still episodes there, but I've I've since created my own web server. I'm a I'm kind of a tech guy or techie guy, so it was fun to actually do it for the first time. Uh, put Ubuntu on a on an old laptop I had, put Apache on there, and just let her rip. And <laughs> and Stack Overflow is your friend. I Googled to know and how to put a web server together, and uh, it turned out okay in the end. And it's it's been fun to do that. And so anyway, I host the show on there. Uh, now I'm not sure where I was going with that train of thought, but it is fun to track. Oh yeah, so I can track the listeners of the show, and uh, I think <laughs> I think either the Trek CC folks are very paranoid and use a lot of proxies, or there's a lot of Trek CC folks in very obscure places like Bosnia Herzegovina. Govinia. I, I, I'm sure I butchered the name of that country. I apologize. Places like Japan. I know Section 31, Dan Hammond once said, you know, we have a listener in Japan. I'm like, yeah, right. But yeah, I someone's listening. I think someone's listening to either uh, Assimilate This or this game show from Japan. I, I don't know. There's lots of other weird places. Jamaica. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's fun to kind of track the stats. Uh, by the way, I also host Assimilate This on my web server, and that show is very popular. Uh, it's It's got a lot of, uh, getting a lot of hits. So uh, Daniel's got a great show on his hands there, and I, I applaud his work. So it's just fun to kind of track the stats. I don't know who's downloading I just know where you are. And if you're not paranoid about that, well, you know, anyway, uh, you could... <laughs> these are things that a browser sends uh, when I believe the uh, RSS feed is accessed by you. You send me your operating system and all this stuff, but hey... That stuff can be fixed if you don't want to really give me that information. But don't email me about privacy concerns, people. This is just standard stuff that web servers do. It's tr- stuff is tracking you all the time. Uh, I'm getting close to work here, so I'm going to start wrapping up the show. Uh, Shakedown was, I think Shakedown. I could talk about Shakedown in its own show. I just want to give kind of an idea of Shakedown was Matt Kirk's idea. Uh, let's rip off the weakest link and do it Star Trek style. I was like, great idea. Let's do this. So it took me three months to write a software program that could kind of <laughs> sound like a terrible programmer if I say three months to do this, but it was a little Java app that would track. It would, yeah, say what the score was of the question at hand, and if you banked your score, scored your score, uh, how many points were scored, and then. It keeps track of the score locally. It tells me who the current player is, and it also tells me what the current question and answer are. And this allows me to host the show and run the show at the same time. Uh, it's hard to do both at the same time. It's kind of like, who's the player? Mike, what's the question? Here's your question. Did you answer it correctly? Yes. Hit the yes button. No, hit the no button. And then the computer will tell me what the score is, tell the listeners what the score is, and then repeat the process, and it keeps time of the score. It's not as easy as you might think to actually program something like that. I mean, I'm sure a seasoned programmer who does programming for a living, I don't program for a living, could do it in probably a couple weekends. Uh, I It took me several weekends, whatever. And now, uh, I, I haven't integrated it yet with Google Hangouts yet, and I, I'd love to talk about how the Google Hangouts was done. 
for the Star Trek CCG game show. But uh, <laughs> Google Hangouts uses a JavaScript uh, and its own API to allow you to put any images you want on the video feed. So actually putting that timer and that, that score together on the Star Trek CCG game show wasn't trivial. And I use a Python app, I use a Python script to actually generate the scores at game time and then upload that to my web server in real time and then point the uh, Java, the JavaScript to actually grab that. It's a transparent PNG file and then paste it on the video feed. And then the timer uh, in the Star Trek CCG game show is actually, I've already auto-generated a 0 through 9 numbers. I paste it. I think, I can't remember exactly what I do. I think they're all there. I turn them all invisible except for whatever the actual timing timer counts down to at the time. And yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty uh, grueling to put together. And the sounds are the actual, for, during the podcast, I use Soundflowerbed. I've, it's all on my Apple, on my MacBook Pro. I use Soundflowerbed um, and a Java app I wrote that can, it plays the sound when I need it. And then Soundflowerbed will actually, use, through the Google Hangout or Skype, it can send the sound to the players at home and to, I use Audacity for recording. I used to use uh, Audio Hijack Pro to actually record the uh, podcast, but now I use Audacity. It's just easier, I guess, sort of. And I record, yeah, all the sounds get to there. They also get transmitted over Google Hangouts. So at the end, using the on-air feature, I've got an actual game show. It, it's kind of cool that Google Hangouts gives me the recording capacity for free and allows me to connect to anyone in the world for free. And then the buzzer system is a true labor of love. Uh, using HTML5 WebSockets, I was able to, using a Python uh, app called Tornado, I was able to signal, it, 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 it runs on my web server at game time to my, my contestants will come on the show, go to a website, and use a JavaScript to connect to the WebSocket. And that allows you in real time to communicate with anywhere in the world. Uh, when they hit the buzzer button, it sends a signal to my web server that someone's buzzed in. And uh, that I just let the web server figure out which whoever gets a signal from first, that's the player that buzzed in. So there is the possibility of ping and lag, but it, I assume it's minimal. Um, there is going to be some lag, but it's less lag than I'm told, at least anecdotally, than the lag I used from the Skype chat, <coughs> which is how I originally did it. And this allows this allows the player, the players who are actually playing the show, to have that feel of actually being on a game show and buzz in. They can use their space bar or they click on the buzzer button, and that's kind of fun. And then that way, I don't actually have to go in at the end of the show and edit in the buzzer sounds like I used to. The buzzer sound, um, what happens is the web app is tied in with my Java app that makes the sounds for the show. And my web app tells my, my Tornado server, sends Java, or actually, I'm sorry, Java constantly pings the web server every second and says, did anyone buzz in? And the web server goes, and, and Tornado goes, yeah, someone buzzed in. Okay, well... Uh, lock out the buzzer system for 10 seconds and let them give me an answer. And if not, then the other player gets a chance to answer. It's, it's, uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, I think WebSockets... I also use the uh, 
WebSockets to send on the web page that the players buzz in, it sends them how much time's left on the timer. So that's kind of nice. Either in the gift that torments around or after you've buzzed in, you get 10 seconds. And, you know, that way everyone knows how much time's left. And these are all improvements that have been made during the show. At the beginning of the show, it was just two people calling into Skype. I edited in all the sound effects after the show, and and I just did everything on the fly. And now it's a really automated process. I get these done really quickly. So my hope is over a weekend to get, you know, four or six or even eight contestants in, write a bunch of shows ahead of time, and just boom, 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 like any real game show, bust out three or four episodes. I haven't been able to do it yet. I did tape two episodes one day. That was awesome, but it doesn't happen very often. So anyway, I am at work. Thank you for listening to this show. And uh, this is Corbin Johnson saying so long, and thanks for all the trek.